Hey there, welcome to John Bound Politics number 32. Well, I'm sure most of you out there are just as angry or perplexed or maybe even glad that Nancy Pelosi tore up President Trump's speech in the hallowed halls of our republic, whereas protocol and tradition dictate the executive office is supposed to be treated as a long-awaited guest of the three branches of government, as the Democrats sat there like spoiled children tired from throwing temper tantrums all day at our literal expense. The rest of our government, the corporatocracy that feeds off of the American public like a giant tick, continues on like aloof parents that tolerate this behavior for unknown reasons. Or are they unknown? The rest of us are the neighbors that go to work every day to support their lifestyles. They are the true welfare queens and kings, living in the district of criminals. On one side, the Republicans maintain the Wall Street illusion of the Federal Reserve and kowtow to the fat cats making the real decisions that affect all of us, perched high in their megalithic boardrooms. And on the other, the Democrats, with their history of hypocrisy, but with their bleeding hearts and pseudo-middle-class championing rhetoric, have gone rotten from the inside out, becoming the party we see now. These brainwashed Democrats do as their United Nations and European Union overlords command of them, utilizing their delusional comprehension of science, unity, liberalism, mass communication. America, this party that began as a pro-slavery party in 1828 and has sat in our house for roughly 160 years has reached the end of its usefulness to our republic. To carry on into the future with the Democratic Party will at the most extreme destroy American traditions, values, and our identity, and even at the most subtle level, slow down the true American exceptionalism that is our destiny. I would argue that we need a new party that enforces, not just abides by our Bill of Rights, ensuring that if the people's rights are violated, there will be hell to pay. A new party that is contractually obligated to fulfill their promises, not just use them to become a career multi-millionaire politician in the district of criminals. Our government needs a serious overhaul. Nancy Pelosi's ripping up of the State of the Union speech was symbolic in so many terrible ways, but most of all, it represented a new beginning. If only we demanded. For the Democrats, the question to Bork or not to Bork now stares them in the face as plainly as Adam Schiff's beady eyes. To Bork or not to Bork, a reference to Ted Kennedy's vilification of Ronald Reagan's Supreme Court nominee Robert Bork. Even as far back as 1987, the Democrats used fear tactics and public humiliation to defeat an opponent. Robert Bork's America is a land in which women would be forced into back alley abortions, blacks would sit at segregated lunch counters, rogue police could break down citizens' doors in midnight raids, and school children could not be taught about evolution. Writers and artists would be censured at the whim of government. The man's been trashed. All of us who have sat there, not just members of the committee, but members of the Senate, and let these ads go on 
and let this trashing go on and let this good man be characterized as some sort of Frankenstein's monster without raising a voice against it. All of us are accomplices. And now, in the age of impeachment, that strategy is the Democratic Party's modus operandi. The Senate is being called to sit as the high court of impeachment all too frequently. Indeed, we are living in what I think can aptly be described as the age of impeachment. For the rest of his life, he's also going to, people are also going to remember he was impeached by the House of Representatives. He was, and as Nancy Pelosi kept saying, because she understood once the House was done what the outcome was going to be in the Senate forever, forever, forever. The Senate died today. We have a hater in the White House, a birther in chief. Uh, the Grand Wizard of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. You called him the Grand Wizard. Um, it seems you're a member of leadership. Um, what's that line in your mind? Why should the president negotiate with you if you're going to name call him? I know he name calls. Why should he negotiate with you if you're going to name call him? Well, listen, it's colorful language, and I think that the president uh, is going to have to own his pattern of behavior that has taken place not year after year, but decade after decade. The impeachment managers held the Senate hostage. Hakeem Jeffries accused them of pushing conspiracy theories while detailing his own concocted Trump derangement syndrome madness. One of the arguments that we consistently hear on the floor of this Senate, this great institution in America's democracy, is conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory after conspiracy theory. Here's another reason why we know this was not business as usual. On July 29th, Mr. Duffy, a political appointee with zero relevant experience, abruptly seized responsibility for withholding the aid from Mark Sandy, a career Office of Management and Budget official. While Zoe Lofgren declared, This is, of course, an impeachment case against the President of the United States. Nothing could be more important. Of course, for Democrats, a global pandemic resulting in full-blown chaos and economic collapse is simply a backburner issue to their rabid borking of our duly elected president and our vote. Especially now that there is a new coronavirus case in the Democrats' Bay Area crap hole, and we are gradually learning that coronavirus may be spread by feces. While Schiff's bold-faced lies aggravated the Senate to the point that Lindsey Graham had given up on any sense of decorum. You know what I believe about all this? It was a bunch of partisan bullshit in the House. It continued in the Senate. It's going to end Wednesday. The president's going to get acquitted. When Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer demanded that Justice Roberts vote on the resolution for more witnesses, Chuck Schumer was handed his lunch. Is the Chief Justice aware that in the impeachment trial of President Johnson, Chief Justice Chase, as presiding officer, cast tie-breaking votes on both March 31st and April 2nd, 1868. I am, Mr. Leader, uh, the one concerned a motion to adjourn, the other concerned a motion to close deliberations. Uh, I do not regard those isolated episodes 150 years ago as sufficient to support a general authority to break ties. If the members of this body, elected by the people and accountable to them, divide equally on a motion, 
the normal rule is that the motion fails. I think it would be inappropriate for me, an unelected official from a different branch of government, to assert the power to change that result so that the motion would succeed. Now America prepares to watch the revenge of the Senate as the impeachment managers will endure their well-deserved scolding by a captive and insulted Senate on Monday and Tuesday, while President Trump will most certainly address the elephant in the room at the State of the Union on the eve of his acquittal. John Bound reporting. Iowa debacle all began with the traditional Des Moines Register poll being shut down after pollsters were accused of improper questioning, while Las Vegas bookies put Bernie Sanders ahead as the Miami Herald reported three major sports books, My Bookie, Bovada, and Bet Online, all have Sanders established as the chalk to win the Democratic Iowa caucus balloting. The DNC was clearly buckling at the thought of Bernie Sanders making Joe Biden look like a clown at the Oracle of Presidential Elections, the Iowa caucus. Okay, the idea, the, the, the idea of the caucus itself has failed to meet the viability threshold because we've all been saying the whole time, why Iowa in the first place? It's 90% white. You know, when you have, have a, a party as diverse as this to be in a state that's not diverse is terrible. And as CNN and Van Jones pushed the divide and conquer narrative, the votes weren't coming in. What is going on? We have mentioned in 2016, by this point, basically 90 percent plus of the vote was in. In every other modern Iowa Democratic caucus, the victory speeches had already been delivered. I can tell you the Iowa Democratic Party now isn't saying anything. We have reached out to them. We have asked them, are you having any particular issues? If you are having any particular issues, what are those issues? Do you have an ETA on when you will begin releasing results? No answer, no answer, no answer. We asked them if they would put a communications representative on the air to explain what's going on. No answer to that either. As you can see, we've been showing scenes from these precinct caucus sites around the state. You now have multiple precinct caucus sites where you've got cameras that are emptied out right now. They've had the vote. They've had the multiple rounds. Folks have left. There are tabulations that clearly have taken place in those precincts, and yet nothing has been reported out statewide at this point. Which is the fact that he's now waiting in the wings, waiting in Super Tuesday, uh, potentially to... Was it the app, who some reported reset itself, or as NBC reported, the Iowa Democratic Party said Tuesday that its new app, meant to speed up the reporting of caucus results, suffered from a coding issue that instead led to a significant delay in counting and reporting results. CNN's Wolf Blitzer had to stick his nose in it, only adding to the fair election mockery unfolding in Iowa. Sean, have you gotten any explanation at all as to what's going on? No, I have not. No. Uh, uh, I'm just waiting on hold and uh, doing my best to report the results from my what, precinct. What are you hearing? I know you're listening to a conversation uh, from the Iowa... Uh, Democratic Party. This is a real coincidence, Wolf. I just got off hold just now, <laughs> so I've got to get off the phone to report the results. All right, uh, go ahead and report your results. Can we listen in as you report them, Sean? Yep. All right, cool. let's listen. All right. <laughs> okay. Hi. Hello. They hung up on me. 
They hung up on me. Okay, I've got to get back in line on hold. Oh. Um, they just hung up. It's uh, so frustrating indeed. Uh, Sean, uh, we're going to stay in close touch with you. Sean Sebastian from Story County out in Iowa, a precinct secretary. Just wanted to report the results of the caucus there. And uh, clearly for an hour he was on hold, finally got through. And then all of a sudden, uh, not happening now. The firm named Shadow, which was paid by both the Iowa Democratic Party and Pete Buttigieg's campaign, reportedly developed the app said to be responsible for the delayed election results in the Iowa caucus. And even though there were no results whatsoever, Pete Buttigieg, a financer of the app in question, declared himself victorious, taking the opportunity to bask in his own delusions. And tonight... Iowa chose a new path. From river to river, in churches and community centers and high school gyms, you joined your neighbors to say that the time has come to turn the page and open up a new chapter in the American story. But the big winner of the night was actually President Trump, who won a speedy victory as the New York Times had reported that President Trump netted over 26,000 votes or 96.8% of all those cast. The big question, other than where are the votes, was how was the DNC capable of screwing up or worse, manipulating something as simple and transparent as the Iowa caucus? One thing is clear, the Democrats have zero respect or patience for maintaining the responsibility to honor the vote of the people. Are they even fit to carry on as a political party within the Republic? John Bound reporting. Between November 2002 and July 2003, an outbreak of SARS in southern China caused an eventual 8,098 cases resulting in 774 deaths reported in 17 countries, with the majority of cases in mainland China and Hong Kong. Over the course of that year, there were 27 cases in the United States with zero deaths. In the early onset, coronavirus has already appeared in the United States six times, with the most recent concern spreading from person to person in Chicago. This second case did not travel to China, making this the first person-to-person transmission of the novel coronavirus in the United States. We have been closely monitoring individuals who had close contact with her, including her husband, for illness. He recently began reporting symptoms and was admitted to the hospital and placed in an isolation room where he is in stable condition. Public health officials are investigating locations where this second patient has visited in the last two weeks and any close contacts who were possibly exposed. Public health and medical professionals are taking a cautious approach in identifying and actively monitoring individuals such as healthcare workers who may have been in contact with either of the confirmed cases in an effort to reduce the risk to, of additional secondary transmission. Currently in Illinois, there are 21 individuals who are considered persons under investigation. We could see more cases among individuals who have had close contact. 
but I still want to reassure the public we are actively monitoring these individuals and implementing transmission precautions to minimize the risk of spread. According to Chinese officials and the World Health Organization, the number of confirmed cases of the new coronavirus has risen to 7,711 worldwide. All but 68 of those infections have been in mainland China. But when outbreak chaos or state-sponsored manipulation erupts in China, the red propaganda is always there to alter the numbers and cover it all up. Back in 2003, the BBC reported the Chinese authorities have been accused of a slow and secretive handling of the SARS outbreak in order to avoid spreading pandemic. In 2005, the World Health Organization's Beijing spokesman said that the People's Republic of China withheld vital information regarding the H5N1 outbreaks. In 2008, while the Chinese milk scandal eventually claimed 300,000 victims, injured 54,000 babies, and killed six, China's media was ordered to propagandize the melamine scandal to avoid unrest. All media outlets would parrot the official copy of Xinhua. And regardless of the propaganda Netflix shells out, i.e. the population control-obsessed Bill Gates-worshipping documentary Pandemic, eerily prefacing the current coronavirus outbreak while damning anyone that would question the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's universal vaccine goal of 90% of the population getting vaccinated for Gates' century of the vaccination, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation program in India was promoted as the last mile eradicating polio in India. The promotional video displayed numbers showing thousands of cases of polio in India decades ago, with the number of cases dropping to 42 by 2010. But in India, roughly 47,500 cases of non-polio acute flaccid paralysis were reported in 2011. Those paralysis symptoms are practically the same as what's attributed to eradicated wild virus polio. Apparently, vaccine polio viruses also cause polio paralysis. Coronavirus is already leaving the SARS epidemic in the dust. 34 airlines have canceled flights to mainland China. A cruise ship in Italy has been quarantined. Over 50 million have been quarantined in China, a martial law police state that will only aggravate the situation. Meanwhile, the public is largely being left in the dark, while a computer model produced by data firm Bianco Research shows that if the current rate of infections remains consistent, 183,943,221 people will have been infected by the virus within the next three weeks. Given that the virus has already infected a minimum of 7,711 people and killed 170, a fatality percentage of just over 2%, if 183 million people were infected, statistically, upwards of 3.6 million would die. John Bound reporting. Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee under fire tonight for reciting what he later called a parody of President Trump's phone call with the Ukrainian president. Because what those notes reflect is a classic mafia-like shakedown of a foreign leader. I hear what you want. I have a favor I want from you, though. And I'm going to say this only seven times, so you better listen good. I want you to make up dirt on my political opponent and understand lots of it. Senators, before we yield to uh, counsel for the president, I'd like to take a moment by talking about uh, what I think is at stake here. 
A no vote on the question before you will have long-lasting and harmful consequences long after this impeachment trial is over. We agree with the President's counsel on this much. This will set a new precedent. This will be cited in impeachment trials from this point to the end of history. You can bet in every impeachment that follows, whether it is a political impeachment or the impeachment of a Adam Schiff, if Representative Adam Schiff believes that it is to his or her advantage that there shall be a trial with no witnesses, they will cite the case of Adam Schiff. They will make the argument that you can adjudicate the guilt or innocence of the party who is accused without hearing from a single witness, without reviewing a single document. And I would submit that will be a very dangerous and long-lasting precedent that we will all have to live with. Adam Schiff's wholesale obstruction of Congress strikes at the heart of our Constitution and democratic system of separation of powers. Make no mistake, Mr. Schiff's actions in this impeachment inquiry constitute an attack on congressional oversight, on the co-equal nature of this branch of government. Not just on the House, but on the Senate's ability as well to conduct its oversight to serve as a check and balance on Adam Schiff and every Schiff that follows. If the Senate allows Adam Schiff's obstruction to stand, it effectively nullifies the impeachment power. It will allow future presidents to decide whether they want their misconduct to be investigated or not, whether they would like to participate in an impeachment investigation or not. That is a power of the Congress. That is not a power of Adam Schiff's. By permitting a categorical obstruction, it turns the impeachment power against itself. How do we respond to this unprecedented obstruction will shape future debates between our branches of government and the executive forever. And it's not just impeachment. The ability of Congress to conduct meaningful and probing oversight, oversight that by its nature is intended to be a check and balance on the Schiff. powers of the Adam Schiff, hinges on our willingness to call witnesses and compel documents that Adam Schiff is hiding with no valid justification, no precedential support. If we tell Adam Schiff effectively, you can act corruptly, you can abuse the powers of your office to coerce Mr. Schiff to helping you cheat in an election by withholding military aid, and when you're caught, you can further abuse your powers by concealing the evidence of your wrongdoing. Adam Schiff becomes unaccountable to anyone. Our government is no longer a government with three co-equal branches. Representative Adam Schiff effectively, for all intents and purposes, becomes above the law. This is, of course, the opposite of what the framers intended. They purposely entrusted the power of impeachment to the legislative branch so that it may protect the American people from Adam Schiff, who believes that he can do whatever he wants. So we must consider how shifts will reverberate for decades to come and the impact they will have on the functioning of our democracy. And as we consider this critical decision, it's important to remember that no matter what you decide to do here, whether you decide to hear witnesses and relevant testimony, 
the facts will come out in the end. Even over the course of this trial, we have seen so many additional facts come to light. The facts will come out. In all of their horror, they will come out. And there are more court documents and deadlines under the Freedom of Information Act. Witnesses will tell their stories in future congressional hearings, in books, and in the media. This week has made that abundantly clear. The documents Adam Schiff is hiding will come out. The witnesses Schiff is concealing will tell their stories. And we will be asked why we didn't want to hear that information when we had the chance. When we could consider its relevance and importance in making this most serious decision. What answer shall we give if we do not pursue the truth now? If we allow it to remain hidden until it is too late to consider on the profound issue of Mr. Schiff's innocent or guilt. What we are asking you to do on behalf of the American people is simple. Use your sole power to try impeachment by holding a fair trial. Get the documents they refuse to provide to the House. Here are the witnesses they refuse to make available to the House, just as this body has done in every single impeachment trial until now. Let the American people know that you understand they deserve the truth. Let them know you still care about the truth, that the truth still matters. Though much divides us, on this we should agree. A trial stripped of all its trappings should be a search for the truth. And that requires witnesses and testimony. Now, you may have seen just this afternoon the President's former Chief of Staff, General Kelly, said that a Senate trial without witnesses is a job only half done. Trial without witnesses is only half a trial. Well, I have to say I can't agree. Trial without witnesses, no trial at all. You either have a trial or you don't. And if you're going to have a real trial, you need to hear from the people who have firsthand information. Now, we presented some of them to you. But you know as well as we, there are others that you should hear from. Mr. Adam Schiff. But let me close this portion with words I think more powerful than General Kelly's, and they come from John Adams, who in 1776 wrote, together with the right to vote, those who wrote our Constitution considered the right to trial by jury the heart and lungs, the mainspring and the center wheel of our liberties, without which the body must die, the watch must run down, the government must become arbitrary. Now, what does that mean? Without a fair trial, the government must become arbitrary. 
Now, of course, he's talking about Representative Adam Schiff from California. Thanks for dropping by and listening to John Bound Politics. You can find me at dailynewscollective.com, John Bound Politics, or John Bound Reports on YouTube, at Newsbound on Twitter, on iTunes and Spreaker, and as always on the HC Universal Network. Good night, America, wherever you are. <laughs>